Welcome to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast. I'm Danny Sheriff, your host, certified fertility awareness practitioner, functional nutrition counselor, and founder of the HA Society, and of course, an HA recovery coach who has walked where you currently are walking. This is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. So let's dive in. But last thing, nothing on the show should be taken as medical advice. So please seek the advice of your physician. Hey, are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally? I thought that might be you. And if so, we have created our best ever yet resource for you. Totally free. This is a masterclass. I've called it my masterclass because I have put everything into this, right? This masterclass is designed for you if you have HA or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and you want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy. This is going to be for you. So in this masterclass, I'm going to provide you a lot of things, including a lot of case studies, mine, Ashley's and Mishi's, as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it. And we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of HA. So everything from primary amenorrhea and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well and how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system and how long it took them to go from HA to ovulating, of course, with this system. So lots of information, lots of case studies, lots of stats. We go through why this is not a weight gain plan and how we actually divide you into phases, the three phases of HA and determine what your starting point is so that you have a good idea of where you need to start with your actual changes and lifestyle and nutrition changes. We even cover questions like HA and people with a normal BMI and recovery for people who have had HA for too long. There's so much in this 60-minute masterclass, y'all, I'm impressed. And at the end, I'll also be running you through how to get a free HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis through us, which is a part of our process for recovery and preconception clients that we're happily going to give you for free 99 as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's thehasociety.com forward slash masterclass. Hello, welcome back to my channel or if you're listening on the podcast, welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is kind of fun. I've been getting a request, just a few, to talk about life kind of after HA in the years to come or even just like what does it look like six months later one year later two years later and I think that's a really interesting question and I think it's also really important because 
the future is a big part of the fear, right? I really feel like anxiety basically just comes from fear of the unknown and knowing what life looks like after you've gotten your period back, thanks to the changes you've had to make is a big one. And I think that most people are wondering, well, how long am I going to be living this eat more exercise, less gain some weight, be less perfectionistic lifestyle. And I think it's going to be different for everyone, but I'm going to kick off with my experience personally. And then I've got a bunch of questions about this exact topic that I asked for on Instagram that I'll work through. So I have had my period back now for, I want to say two and a bit years. And obviously I'm pregnant now. I'm like seven months pregnant. So I haven't had a period this whole, that whole time. And obviously that's something that's different. But when I first, you know, got it back, it was a exciting time and a challenging time because I, you know, was still holding on to a lot of beliefs about how I needed to look and feel in order to be happy with my body. And I'd say that with time, a lot of things happened for me. Obviously I had to continue doing mental work. And so I continued diving into conversations and thinking a lot about what, you know, body positivity and what body acceptance and body literacy is. And I started learning more about my cycle and I started learning more about the role of body fat in my body and kind of debunking this idea that like I should always be tired and I should be thin and realizing that that's entirely made up and that having a, having body fat is important and not everyone looks a certain way. So I had to spend a lot of time coming to terms and understanding the truth behind how my body's actually meant to feel and look and behave versus, you know, what society's told me it should feel and look and behave. Cause it's a, it's a very, very hard condition, condition to break. So after I got my first three periods back, I did start incorporating exercise. And this is my first three periods after a relapse. So actually I had gotten a period back, gotten a, a couple of them and then went back to exercise and lost it again for a while and had to basically what felt like start again. So the second time after going through that experience, I had just had more information and I kind of understood, okay, that's what happens if I try to you know, go back too quickly. So the second time I got my period back, I got three periods and I was ready to, um, consider exercise again. I started doing some very small workouts, super short walking a little bit again. And, um, eventually, you know, felt that things were going well. I had restored quite a bit of weight and I'd say I, re- I got my weight back up to my original starting weight before ever touching a diet. Right. So I never gained more than that. And I know that's scary for a lot of people because they had lost tons and tons of weight and felt and feel like they came from a place of being overweight. So just remember, I didn't come from a place of being overweight and also that that's subjective because I do believe there are girls out there who would consider my starting weight as overweight. I have a lot of conversations with people who are like, 
I just was heavily overweight and I don't want to be back there again. And then we kind of dive into the numbers and it's like, "Mm, no, you you weren't overweight. So it's all kind of subjective and that's a really tricky situation. So if you're just listening to this, thinking about like restoring your previous weight and the fears you have around it, I think it's really important to come to, to do some looking into it's like, were you really overweight or are you just saying that as a reason or a really good excuse to not have to gain weight? I eventually restored weight, was having solid cycles, had long enough luteal phases, all that good stuff was definitely ovulating and decided to try weightlifting again. I wanted to go back to Olympic weightlifting. I really enjoyed that as a sport. I'd had all this time off. I kind of felt rejuvenated for the thing. And I was excited to go back at a capacity that wasn't stupid. I used to be training for friggin' six, seven days a week and under fueling the whole time. What would happen if I went back after this time and this restored weight gain, this restored health and tried weightlifting again from a different, in this new body. And it was really cool. I trained half the amount of time every second day. So I took a full rest day to four days a week, at least one full rest day. And then sometimes two, and I would be fully fed before I went and I would have a huge dinner when I got home. And it was a completely different experience. There was nothing restrictive around my entire experience. And my body composition did change, right? And by composition, I just mean I started to experience muscle growth. I started to experience changes in how I felt strength-wise and how I clothing fit. But I wasn't actively trying to lose weight. I don't think that I really did. But that wasn't the goal and that wasn't the time, right? Diving straight back into exercise, I couldn't be like, okay, let's get strong and lean and blah, 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 blah. No, I went back into it with, okay, let's go back and get strong and see what happens to your lifts and see shit, even just see what happens to your body when you just give it what it needs. So I did that and it was really cool. It was fun to, to be able to like watch my cycle and see when training was affecting my cycle and be able to make a change so that I didn't skip that period. Maybe I had a couple that, you know, in a really tough training cycle, because remember you shouldn't be working out super hard every single day, every week of every month of every year. So when we would have days that was, or weeks that was over 80%, I could see if it was affecting my cycle and I could make a change. I could take an extra rest day. I could eat more food. So that is a really big piece of what was different for me almost like a year later, three months in, I introduced some exercise six, seven months in, I introduced training again, like proper training. And I got to kind of watch for about a year what, how that was affecting my cycle and what was going on. And I thought it was cool. I thought it was really cool. I felt completely new. I felt like I was having such a healthy relationship with my sport. And that, this whole experience has opened my perspective of like, I realize now I used to look at my training, my exercise as something that it was important that I looked a certain way for it. It was important that I was in the smallest possible weight category that my sport allowed for my body and height and all that stuff's rubbish and coming in to it and being prepared to do a competition. But at whatever weight I'm at now was so relaxed. It was so stress-free. It made sport really, really fun. And just having 
this, this perspective, this experience allowed me to see like, Oh, okay. That girl over there is kind of struggling with this. So she's, she's going through this kind of thing. She just lifted a ton and she's having two rice cakes as her like post training snack. I just, your whole perspective is shifted. So I was so much more open and excited about training and I had more knowledge. You can't undo what you've learned now. So with that, if exercise or sports, something you're excited to go back to, that is something that is very positive that you have had this experience that you know what's happening. You can see the signs, you can see the language around you that's happening that isn't helpful, right? Because when you go back to the gym, for example, the language there is different. The language that can be triggering. And these are things you didn't even realize until now that you've done all this work into learning about your cycle and about diet culture and about how it's affecting your health. So knowledge is power. So you can trust in that when it's time. I do recommend that you check out my intuitive exercise video and all of just the episodes where we talk about exercise and reintroducing it. If you want to work with someone, you probably should. It can just be helpful to have that unbiased third party help you with your training and making changes. Um, come into the HA society. If you want, we can talk about it there. You can show your charts and help learn charting cycle charting after you've recovered is just the bomb. It's just really, really helpful for not slipping back into HA. Also the pandemic hit. And so I actually stopped weightlifting at that point. I just come back from a vacation in Australia and I, the pandemic was happening. Like I got, was so lucky to even get on a flight home. And when I got back, I don't know what it was, but I didn't, I didn't want to really go back to the gym. I mean, it was closed. Right. And so it was closed for a while. I I didn't want to do remote training with the team. So I sort of just went back to kind of doing whatever I felt like doing. Um, something about the spark and the drive for athletic performance kind of dissipated at that point, which is okay. It kind of showed that I had become more fluid with my decisions and what I feel like doing because I weightlifted hard, like eight years. I never wavered. I never didn't train. And suddenly I was in tune enough with like, during this time, I don't think I feel like it. So I have a little garage gym. And if I wanted to do a workout, I could, if I just wanted to do a walk, I could. Things really changed. And then in November, we got pregnant. So things really changed then. And that's obviously a huge, that's a huge piece of progress. That's something that I wanted to achieve within the next few years. And I got to achieve it. So looking back at my, my experience physically, it's been really positive. I haven't been hung up about my body. I haven't been hung up about exercise. I've been more fluid with what I felt like doing and I've also been able to spend time focused on this podcast and this whole community. And I got to build something real. And I think that having purpose has really helped me to not feel so attached to how my body looks and the way that I'm performing and the work that I'm producing. And just, I've just felt like I have purpose and community finding you guys. So that's how my life really changed, right? When I could get this mental energy back and this physical time back, because I'm not spending so much time thinking about what I'm going to eat and how I'm going to train. I had time to do 
creative work and make something cool and build something with purpose that made me feel like I was contributing something meaningful and have a lot of fun. Cause the truth is like creating online things, building things is something that I love. I'm a project manager at heart and I love to build things. So that was really big for me. So I have some questions from the gram. I asked people what questions they had about the future of HA. Like, what does it look like in in the future? And these are some of the questions I got. So I'm going to kind of touch on them from my perspective. But remember, you know, everyone has a different answer and I can really only give you my personal opinion on something. This is the future we're talking about. So I'm going to give you my, my take on it. Does weight, puffiness, bloating begin to distribute out or dissipate over time? So my experience has been, yes, I actually, if I can, I might find some photos just to show you a little bit of the difference between then and now. I don't promise I have good photos to show that represent this, but I have noticed that like I sat in a bigger body for a a while and it was fine and I was prepared for it to be that way. And, you know, with time that absolutely dissipated a bit. Hey, do you know what your blind spots are? As in, do you know what it is, what the thing is that is holding you back from getting your period back? Look, it could be an absolute plethora cornucopia of things, but in our practice, what we tend, the first place we tend to go is what behaviors and habits do you have around food that you may be still doing and these are called blind spots because we just don't necessarily always know that they're an unhelpful habit or that it's something that we're doing whether it be a subconscious or conscious need to control our food or our body or whether it be something that you've just done for so long that it feels normal and like a preference even we have created a checklist it's a three-page checklist that goes through food types, behaviors around food, and mindsets around food. And what you do is you go through the lists and you check off and you see which ones are you doing, whether it be daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and how are they potentially affecting your recovery today? So it's a really simple checklist. It's just three pages. You go through it. There's a very simple scoring system to help you figure out um, how much this may be impacting your recovery and it's just an insightful thing for you to do to help you reflect and then you can journal about it or you can learn more about it and just start really working at any of the boxes that you checked and understanding that they're playing a role in your recovery so to get the checklist all you have to do is go to the hasociety.com forward slash blind spot and we'll send it straight through to you you can print it off And you can check on it every now and then. I always recommend a reflection point every like four to six weeks. How are you going? Are you still checking that behavior off or have you, you know, systematically kicked it to the curb? So check it out. It's the hasociety.com forward slash blind spot and it will be waiting for you there. Do new coping mechanisms develop? I'm sure that the same struggles still appear. So is how you cope with them differently. Yeah. You know, I think honestly, you just don't have to cope with them as much with time there. They affect you less. You've really put the reps in. You've come up against that girl who says triggering things to you a bunch. 
you have come up against seeing a celebrity be totally glorified for her her thin body. You you put in the reps and you're just less affected by it. So you need to implement coping mechanisms less. That's honestly the main thing. Body image, accepting body weight, loving more or just neutral, partner acceptance. Okay. So basically, how do you accept yourself in your body? Do you love yourself more? Do you just feel neutral? How does your partner accept you? Uh, That's a really good question. I honestly think, again, you become less affected by it. Body neutrality is the word. I became way more neutral about how it looked. There's a there's a roll. It's fine. My arms feel a bit big today. Whatever. Next week, I won't feel that way. And especially when you start having regular cycles, you also notice that your body is, is cyclical too. You have weeks where you have lower, you, you, you feel like you have lower self-esteem and then you have weeks where you feel like hot shit. So you get used to those patterns. And when those patterns are happening, you're like, oh, this is just that week where I feel like crap. So I'm not going to spiral on it. But early on, you you don't realize that it's going to end. So you really let the anxiety and the stress about it guide you. But now you're navigating it. So again, time heals these things. And partner acceptance, yeah. Because to go with this question, did the libido return? Yes, it did. And it returns slowly. It goes from, no way, I don't want to do that, to, I suppose I could tolerate this, to, I think this is something that I want to do, to, yeah, let's do it. So over time, it comes back, and that allows your partner to accept you more. I guess it didn't sound that good. Like, they're they're way more pumped about it because of what they're getting out of it, let's be real. And you know, their impression is like, all you had to do is gain some weight. Great. That like to them, that's not an issue a lot of the time. And if you're with someone where it is an issue, I'm sorry, but your health comes first. So I'm not going to sit here and try and tell you like your partner having a hard time accepting you at a slightly heavier body weight is an acceptable reason to change your, your body. Like love is, that's not love. So yeah, your partner accepts it because you're happier. You're more pleasant to be out with. You're more spontaneous. You're more fun. You're more interested in them. You like them more. You're less irritated with them. It's a total win for them. Getting your period back after pregnancy. Previously had HA, recovered, got pregnant. Yeah. So I'm still pregnant. And so I have not actually gotten a period back postpartum. So I can't really speak to it, but I will definitely be keeping you guys updated. And our HA Society co-coach Ashley just got her first period back postpartum. So maybe I should chat with her about it. Is getting back into exercise hard? Mm. Only if you fully intend to continue pushing yourself to a limit that you, that your body doesn't actually want to do, then at that point, yeah, it's hard. You don't want to do it. But if you're coming from a place of, I'm going to get back into exercise because I feel like it and I'm going to move my body in a way that feels good. then yeah, I think like a big piece of a lot of the answers to this is you will not care about the thing that you're so worried about right now as much. And that is going to make it way easier to quote unquote cope with. But I just explained my whole exercise story just now. So I hope that that was helpful. How to manage irregular cycles due to bouts of stressful periods, like starting university. Yeah. 
So that's a big reason why I'm a fan of cycle tracking. Charting your cycles allows you to see what's happening. It allows you to see that, hey, I'm going through a stressful time and I'm seeing that my ovulation is pushed back. I'm seeing that my temperatures are down. I'm seeing that my luteal phase is really short. And then when you observe those things, you can make changes. So if you can't avoid a stressful time at uni, that's not really in your control, but how much else you put on your plate outside of uni is in your control. How much food you eat is in your control. How much exercise you also do at the same time as going through exams is in your control. So when you're charting your cycles and you're seeing how it's affecting you, you're able to make those changes, but you don't have to chart your cycles just, and you could just make those changes. You could just become fully aware of your capacity and just decide like you're now going to start saying no to things. And now it's, the first few weeks of uni. So I'm going to take it easy on my extracurriculars right now. And because you've been through this experience and you've seen firsthand what can happen to your body when you don't listen to it or when you push it past what it really wants to do, that experience helps you make better choices later. And yeah, you're going to take this experience with you for the rest of your life. You're always going to remember what it was like to lose your period due to pushing yourself too hard and you're going to be better at making decisions. If you're struggling still to make the decisions that you need to make to get on track, then you just have more, more mental work to do. You should be working with a therapist, an HA coach, have some kind of community just to keep you on track with it. Just because you get your period back doesn't mean you don't still need to be working on these things. And until all of this stuff is second nature, until self-care is second nature, taking rest days is second nature, eating more when you have overexerted yourself on a certain day, until all that second nature, you should just keep working on this stuff mentally. But it does really get easier. Curious about how to safely lose some weight after recovery and not lose period again. Like I just said, chart your cycle so you can see how your period's behaving, so you can take action before it disappears again. But um, also just be really smart about how you go to lose the weight. You know, from this experience, you have now seen what can happen when you take the unsafe route. So I think this is a time to be brutally honest with yourself. Another opportunity to work with a therapist or an HA coach or a, at least like a, a personal trainer or a nutrition coach who really understands what's happening in your head mentally and isn't trying to just push you to lose weight, but is also trying to push you to grow and take a healthy approach to this. I don't remember how I started that conversation or that sentence, so I don't know how to end it, but get help. Ensure you're doing it safely. If you have a hunch that you're taking a slightly unhealthier route towards something like, I think I'm choosing to put less on my plate, or I think I'm choosing to spend an extra half an hour or whatever at the gym, Try to be objective and know when you're negotiating with yourself to like do things to lose extra weight. And until you can do that, it's best that you work with someone and it's probably best that you don't try to lose weight until you're in a, in a place where you can trust that you're not going to slip into old habits just yet. But take it slow. Just take it slow. You know, start with just exercise and then later you can try some diet stuff and always one thing at a time. And I have a few episodes or YouTube videos, both on, um, reintroducing exercise after HA. So make sure you 
check those out so that you do not make the mistakes that many of us do make. The ability to balance exercise and life without worries about overstressing your body. Yeah, I think that with time you will see and you know, gain some, with every cycle, you gain a bit more experience and a bit more experience. And now you are gaining more trust in your body and more understanding about how it behaves. And so then you become less and less anxious. Like I said at the beginning, I think that, you know, anxiousness comes from the unknown, not knowing what the future holds. The more periods you have, the longer you live in your fed body, the more you begin to trust the process and the less that you worry about how to balance everything. And your life's always changing. Your body's always changing. It's cyclical. So you're going to have times when you screw it up or just you, you didn't screw it up. Your body was just reacting to a stressful situation the way that it's biologically designed to, right? So having some forgiveness and understanding about the fact this is how our body's meant to work. It shuts your reproductive system down when things aren't safe. It makes changes. So, you know, don't get upset about it. Just act when you see something. So much of this is just act when you see something. How is your diet now and exercise level? My diet now is eat whatever's in the house. Like it's actually amazing. I reflect on this all the time that I always thought those people who didn't have time to eat or just like ate whatever were weird because I used to be so hungry and so food obsessed that my lunch had to be elaborate and as amazing as possible. And I would spend a million quadrillion dollars at the grocery store basically to try and eat as little as possible, which is true. Like, right. All the low calorie stuff. Like what can I eat that actually isn't food and it ends up getting really expensive. So now I just, I, is there leftovers? Cool. Oh, there's a weird mishmash of random ingredients to eat. Okay. I'll just eat those, whatever. Like I just want to get back to my life and I do still enjoy a good meal, but it's not consuming my mind all the time. So that's been a really fun, a really fun one. And I also just explained my exercise, um, recently. And then when I, when I have had the baby, I actually have been more motivated. I'm like, I miss working out now. I've spent a whole bunch of time being pregnant, really scaling my workouts, really just taking it easy. And I'm excited to like get back to the gym and get under a barbell and stuff. So when after a baby and after I've recovered and when I'm feeling better, she's in daycare or something, um, I might start training again. Will life after HA be constantly shattered by the fear of going back there? No, you'll get smarter. You'll know your body better. Um, you'll always be aware because you now have this body awareness and this body literacy about when your period is due and aware of like, Oh, I wonder if I ovulated and stuff. And that part will be present, but you will not, um, be fearful forever. When does the bloating finally subside? How long after it's okay to get or to think about getting a little leaner? So I kind of answered this one already, but the bloating piece, different amount of time for everyone. Some people don't really experience it. Some people, it takes them a few weeks or a few months. That is persistence. That is patience for sure. And then how long after is it okay to think about getting a little leaner? when you have fully recovered, when you are having 
full-length healthy cycles when you're mentally in a place where being as lean as possible isn't the goal anymore. You know, you just need to be in a healthy mindset. Again, I recommend working with someone just to keep your goals and your mind in check. If you know that you're someone who likes to take things a little bit too far, if left to your own devices, you should probably work with someone. Can weight training ever be a regular feature of my week? Yes, it can be, and it even should be. Weight training is extremely good for you. Just make sure you're eating enough food and you're not overdoing it. When does weight stabilize? Is my weight at recovery my weight forever? I answered this earlier too. Uh, it stabilizes when it stabilizes. It could take a while. It could take a year. It could take a year and a half. It took me about a year, but uh, specifically like I got up to weight, but my my composition and the bloating and everything that didn't subside for quite a while. Everyone's different. And also your weight might be your weight forever, but your body composition isn't necessarily, okay? You might only ever fluctuate two or three kilos or something. It doesn't mean you can't gain muscle mass. It doesn't mean you can't, you know, lose some weight. If you're going to lose more weight, like 10 or more pounds, you know, that's your prerogative. There's no one, no one here on the internet is allowed to judge you for what you want to do with your body. Okay. So that's something you want to do. You can, but like I've now said, I think eight times work with a professional to make sure you don't take it too far and be constantly doing the work and checking in on your goals and be aware of your cycle and how it functions and what's a healthy cycle to make sure that once you embark on this path, You're not doing it from an obsessive place, a restrictive place, or a dangerous place. So that's it. Thank you guys so very much for tuning in today. I hope this was helpful little insight into the future. Pass AJ, if you would like more people's accounts, right? This was just my account. If you'd like to speak to other people or hear from other people who are further down the track with recovery, either comment on YouTube send me a message in Instagram, leave a comment or a review, five stars, five points for Gryffindor. And I will oblige. You all just have to tell me what you want to hear about. So I always appreciate it when people send me that kind of thing. Even let me know who you want to hear from, if anyone in particular. And I will speak to you guys next week. Please subscribe to this channel, subscribe to this podcast, all the subscription related things, pick your pipe. Thank you so much. See you later. Hey there, it's me, Danny, and I want to tell you about Temp Drop as a fertility awareness method tracking option. So many of you guys know that we actually recommend the fertility awareness method both as you're going through recovery and 100% after you have gotten some cycles back and you're starting to move forward for the rest of your reproductive years. So TempDrop itself is a wearable fertility monitor and we love it. It's a wearable device. So you put it around your arm and you can use that instead of taking your temperature manually with a thermometer each morning. So I'm personally a big fan of the manual tracking. All of us at the HA Society are. And that's the method that we use, you know, just using a good old thermometer. We use that with our clients because it's the best way to use it as a diagnostic tool, as a practitioner. And it's also the best way to ensure if you're trying to avoid pregnancy that you don't get pregnant. However, manual temping for many reasons is just not always an option. 
When you're in the middle of recovery, again, we do recommend manual temping, but once you're cycling, the temp drop is actually a really great hack. So it gives you basically everything you need to effortlessly track your fertility status, like where you are in your monthly cycle. So you wear the temp drop sensor while you're sleeping for accurate basal body temperature readings without the stress of early morning wake-ups. So I personally love this because with a toddler, my wake-up times are all over the place and the occasional sleep disruptions make using an oral thermometer a lot more difficult. So TempDrop's accompanying charting app enables you to track an array of symptoms alongside your basal body temperature. This includes tracking your cervical mucus, if you've been using OPKs, and then it also gives you sleep insights too. So you can combine these fertility signs all in one place, and that will help you identify your fertile window, confirm ovulation, plan for your period. And if you're trying to get pregnant, you know, identify whether or not you are pregnant. So whether you're trying to conceive or avoiding pregnancy, or you want to chart for health reasons like HA recovery, making sure your cycle is not slipping back in the HA direction, TempDrop makes fertility awareness accessible to all women, even if you don't have regular cycles or sleeping patterns. So track your ovulation in real time with the TempDrop, and we are lucky enough to have a 15% off code. So if you go to their website, they're usually having a sale, but you can stack this code on top of the existing code. So just go to tempdrop.thehasociety.com and use the code AFHA Society. I think too, if you just go to tempdrop.com and, and use um, AFHA Society at the checkout, that will work too. So happy temping and good luck. This episode is brought to you by Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules. Did you know that in terms of nutrient density, beef liver actually blows vegetables and fruits out of the water? If you're a client of mine, you have already been instructed to eat beef liver either fresh or in capsule form. I recommend it for anyone and everyone who is, of course, dealing with amenorrhea and fertility challenges out there, but I may even recommend it for just everyone in general. Get your husbands on it. Get your partners on it. If you have a history of HA and add on top of that, maybe a history of the pill, maybe you've been pregnant before, you know, through treatments or other, like you've just, your body's been through anything, you know, you're absolutely 100% dealing with a nutrient deficiency of some kind. And while it's true that testing is going to be the best way to understand those exact deficiencies, Eating nutrient-dense real food is going to be one of the most important next steps that you take with or without testing. So I've been using and recommending Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules for years now. And the capsule form makes it so easy to get your liver in every day. And I appreciate the transparency of this product in particular above others. So in case you're wondering, it's completely natural. This is freeze-dried beef liver in capsules. It's organic. It's made from Australian beef. And my favorite of their products is the liver with kelp because of the iodine from the kelp, which is important for overall thyroid function, which is often low in women with underperforming hormones. So rather than eat seaweed snacks every day, I get to take this beef liver with the kelp 
for my iodine. So if you're recovering or working on a fertility journey right now, do not skimp the nutrient rich source of beef liver. Get 10% off your order with the HA Society and support your favorite podcast along the way. They ship to most countries, so you should be covered. Just go to grasslandnutrition.net and use HA Society, just HA Society, at the checkout for the 10% off. That's grasslandnutrition.net with the code HA Society. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily. So if you do that, you're doing a service to all of the women.